Years ago, an episode of the popular show Antiques Roadshow appeared where a woman brought a brooch inherited from her grandmother to be inspected. The woman had kept it for years, thinking little of it until the BBC program happened to be near her. She figured, what the heck? Why not see what it's really worth? I remember this episode well. Being in the jewelry business, I get brought items of all types from people wanting to know what they're worth. Rarely, and I mean maybe one out of a hundred, is it something of value. This woman's brooch, though, caught the appraiser's eye. He studied it closely. He then set it down very carefully and smiled when he told her the news. This brooch was an extremely rare Fabergé piece. You know, as in the Fabergé egg. It was valued at well over 15,000 pounds. What are the chances that something you find in your grandparents' history is something? And I mean, really something. One in a hundred? One in a thousand? One in a million? Could my discussion with John really be something? Or was he just another crazy survivor in a misunderstood city? Well, this is Crashed in Roswell. Hey listeners, before we get started, I want to tell you a couple quick things just to get going. First of all, I want to thank our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, Spaceport Roswell. Spaceport Roswell is a brand new virtual reality experience opening here in Roswell in the summer of 2020. Spaceport Roswell is using the latest and greatest in virtual reality experience technology. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But they're using this to help shift you through time and space to journey through the world and the universe and experience it in a completely immersive, amazing way. Y'all, I got to watch some of the stuff that they're doing firsthand, and it is stinking incredible. From the moment that you step into their brand new facility, you are going to feel immersed in a completely new space-themed world, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be here in downtown Roswell opening this summer. You can check out more at SpaceportRoswellNM.com. SpaceportRoswellNM.com. As soon as tickets go on sale, my friends, you are going to want to get some because this is an experience you are not going to want to miss if you are in or passing through Roswell. All right, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we get to the episode, and that is that this podcast has been a labor of love from a wonderful group of people who have worked on it. They've put in countless man hours, time, energy, and even money to make this podcast available for your listening ears. And we need your help to continue to do that for the foreseeable future. It's an expensive and wonderful endeavor, but we need your help. Go to crashedinroswell.com and check out our store where we have merchandise available for you to purchase. And when you buy it, you will know that that purchase is going to go fund and help the wonderful people who have made this podcast possible. Um, go to crashedinroswell.com, check out our store. There you're going to find all branded gear from Crashed and Roswell logos to our two brand new lines of clothing and merchandise and gear. That will be the Survivors in a Misunderstood City line and my personal favorite, the Alien Kid gear line. Go check it out and know that your purchase is going to help this podcast continue. Okay, back to the episode. Occam's razor is a principle of research that can help us make sense of our current story. It states that entities should not be multiplied without necessity. Put a little more simply, 
the simple solution is most likely the right one. When I left John's house, I felt terrible. I am not a journalist by trade. Asking the tough questions isn't really my thing. I was going there to have fun learning about my family. Curiosity got the best of me. I asked something I shouldn't have, and I ticked him off. So when I got home, I tried to make sense of the whole thing just so I could get some sleep. I used Occam's razor. The simplest solution is the right one. The simplest solution? John is just a bitter old man who didn't want to talk to me anyways. Grouchy old men are a dime a dozen. It wouldn't have mattered what I said. Eventually, I would have made him mad regardless. That was enough to get sleep on, but my brain doesn't shut off so easily. The next day, I thought about Occam's razor again. The simplest solution is usually right. The more convoluted and complex the explanation, the more likely it is to be wrong. The more variables, the more things are there that might go wrong with it. That's why we shrug off conspiracies as nonsense. There's too many moving parts for us to believe it could all be right, so we figure it is mostly wrong. Then there's another problem with Occam's razor. What if there is more than one simple solution? Let's take the Roswell UFO conspiracy, for example. We could sit here and ride it off as a weather balloon. Although the Air Force themselves later debunked this one, saying it was a spying device. A strange new weather balloon is certainly one simple explanation. Even a spying device seemed like a simple enough explanation. But what about reports that came later about bodies being recovered from the crash site? Pictures later circulated of gray, charred, strange bodies on gurneys. Eyewitnesses came forward with strange details corroborating this later. A simple explanation, once again by the U.S. Air Force. These were crash test dummies in the spy device. That's why they looked strange. That's why they were charred. The thing blew up, it crashed, and those were the bodies. Simple. Now, isn't it equally simple to say it was a life form of some kind? Considering the source, the U.S. Air Force, there wasn't a track record of reliability here. They repeatedly walked back statements, mixed up details, and they reacted strongly and quickly to the incident. In retrospect, they weren't acting like a transparent, honest source with trustworthy information. Consider the site, a U.S. airbase with nuclear and experimental technology milling about the area. Consider the conditions, wide open skies, wide open spaces, and little population density. A great place for something to happen and no one to take notice. So consider an equally simple solution. A UFO was in the skies, a panicked Air Force took it down or found out after the fact that it crashed, then recovered the debris and covered it up, eager to figure out what the heck happened. Notice I didn't say spaceship or aliens or anything extraterrestrial. I just said UFO, unidentified flying object. I'm interested in the simplest solution. Aliens complicate things a bit. So, there are two simple explanations. A broken down spying device and a downed or crashed UFO. If there are two equally simple solutions, which one is correct? In my predicament, I could write off John as being a grumpy old man. Simple solution. I'm also a psychologist by training which comes in handy in the jewelry business. 
Psychology has taught me that anger is often driven to action because of fear. If that is true, then what is John afraid of? Simple solution number two. John didn't want to talk to me because he's afraid of something. I didn't say aliens. Aliens complicate things a bit. I just said something. Figuring John wasn't keen on taking another call from me, I turned to the closest sources I could to get a better understanding of what happened with John. Remember, this podcast, for me, was about exploring my family ties. As much as I didn't want to make John mad, I really wanted to know about his association with my grandfather Dixon. My grandmother passed away about 10 years prior to the time of this recording, so there were only two people I had left to talk to who could shed some light on his life. The first one, my uncle Glenn. Hey Glenn, how's it going today? Good, yourself? I'm doing alright. Uh, doing alright. How are things in Denver? Glenn moved to Denver, Colorado years ago, where he owns a contracting company. The distance is hard. We don't get to see each other a whole lot, and we haven't had a whole lot of close interactions over the years. In recent years, that has begun to change. Since my grandmother Pat died, we've sort of worked our way back to each other. There's a lot of time to catch up on. One big subject? Growing up. How old were you when your dad died? I was 13. 13. What year was that? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so what? when you think about your dad, what what do you remember most about him? Oh, I remember him being a very loving and caring man. Um, he was always very attentive to us as kids. So I, I, I remember he was a very good man. I mean, mom and dad were older when they married, and so they were older as we um, grew up. Um, but uh, with that that maturity, I think, came a lot of wisdom. So, Do you remember your dad having a lot of close friends? Yeah, dad did have a lot of um, not real close friends. Um, I think dad had, he did have a, a childhood friend that lived in Albuquerque and he was close with him and a couple college friends. Do you remember a guy, he ever mentioned a guy by the name of Hank or John? That one I do not recall. Not from like when he was a kid maybe or anything uh, like that? It doesn't ring a bell. It wasn't odd to me that their names didn't ring a bell. It just told me that whoever Hank and John were to my grandfather, they weren't close enough for the family to know. Childhood friends are like that. People we know closely and then, over time, forget. Perhaps Hank and John were just forgotten about in our history. Well, let me ask you, what, what do you think your parents would have thought about, or what did your parents think about the Roswell incident? Did they ever talk about the UFO crash or anything like that? No, actually, that was, I mean, I remember Dad mentioned it some when we were kids, but didn't say much about it, because um, that's been when the old, walk, I think it was Walker Air Force Base was there. Yeah. Um, but uh, not much was said about it. I remember Dad talking about um, the experiments of the atomic bomb in White Sands more than I did the, the other, because I do remember he said he got to eyewitness um, some of the bombs from the White Sands area, um, which is my theory, is why he died of cancer, brain tumor, because he actually 
exposed himself to the explosions because he watched it. Really? Yeah. He was there when he when the they were testing him out there at White Sands. Yeah, yeah. He actually said he got to see the mushroom explosions and stuff like that. And they didn't. They weren't protecting themselves. They were just out watching. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's wild. So that's why I I sort of assume that he probably got his cancer because he. It's kind of. They were they were far enough away that you could you know. Yeah. They probably didn't feel the blast, but they saw the, the cloud, and they probably got the effects of the radiation. Wow. After Glenn said that about the atomic bomb, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was a detail that seemed to raise a flag right in my face. It was as if it were trying to tell me there was something more to the story there. For background, the atomic bomb that destroyed Hiroshima and Nagasaki was developed and tested in New Mexico. To the west of Roswell sits White Sands, a national park that is exactly what the name describes, a vast, open, empty desert of pure white sand. A sight to behold, really. Mounds and hills of white sand looking like rolling hills of snow. In the desert of New Mexico, where snow can be scarce, it's about the best place to go sledding year-round. The atomic bomb was first tested at White Sands, in a location known as Trinity Test Site. Scientists, military leaders, and enlisted observers gathered to watch the bomb drop. They had no idea what would happen when it went off. There was little known about radiation or fallout. They weren't even sure if the blast would set off a chain reaction that could destroy the Earth. The idea was simply to make a big bomb, detonate a big bomb, and then watch what happened. Prayers were encouraged. I wanted to immediately dig into what it was my grandfather saw, and how he got to be one of the witnesses to the blast. But there was a second person who I could talk to who might give me a little more insight. My dad. Luckily, he works three feet away from me, so cornering him for an interview is easy. Um, so I met with John this week. Um, wasn't a fan of me at all. Um, you really don't remember him or, or your dad ever mentioning him or Hank at all? No, I'm sorry. I don't remember him ever talking about him. Um, okay, so do you remember what it was like when the base closed? I mean, you you were young. I was just a few years old, so no, I don't remember too much about that. Did your dad ever talk about what that was like? He said it was pretty devastating. Uh, about a third of the city left in just a, like six months' time, I think he said. Really? We went from 50,000 to 35,000 people, and... I'm not sure how how everybody made it through all that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have any idea how your dad made it through I mean, running a company when most your, you know a lot of your customers disappear. How did he get by? Well, it's funny because dad, uh, I I asked dad the same question, and the answer I got was after the smoke settled, found out that a lot of people were actually going out to the PX, and so once the Things settled out. He said business actually it dropped, but it wasn't as bad as he was anticipating. The PXs out at the base commissary. Yeah, people okay. were buying oh discounted goods out at the base. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but if you're what did you ever remember your parents talking about the UFO incident, the, the Roswell crash, or do you have any sense of what their feeling on that whole thing was like? No, and that's another one of those things that 
you know, until the the crash was celebrated as 50th anniversary, it just really wasn't a big topic of discussion around town. And particularly with my my father, I mean, of course, and again, my mother wasn't even here when that happened. So she, yeah. uh, after the fact, didn't really have any thoughts or comments. So um, it's more history of things that I would love to ask my dad if he were if you were here. Yeah. You so I was talking to Uncle Glenn about um asked him the same thing and and he shared with me a theory that he has on why your dad got brain cancer. Because he witnessed the atomic blasts out of White Sands, not far from here. Oh yeah, that's right. And and the the radiation, the fallout from that could have easily wow. Uh, you know, so I, mean, I was just wondering your thoughts on that, or did you ever, I, did you ever talk about uh, seeing the, the blasts out there? No, um, but now that that comes to mind, it seems like I did hear something at one time where, you know, he saw it from a distance, but uh, it was something that was happening when he was in town, yeah. and um, and certainly I know that other people close by have certainly had issues with cancers and if I'm not mistaken particularly in brain cancer and I just I hadn't hadn't really given that a thought until I mean just now you're putting all that together thinking that 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 may have had a certainly may have had a bearing there was no history of of cancer particularly brain cancer in the family before that I wasn't sure if my uncle and my dad helped me figure out the answers to John's problems but it gave me a better glimpse at the past We live in a forgotten city. We were left out to dry. For years, the UFO incident was a cover-up nobody batted an eye at. It wasn't until the 70s that researchers started to take notice. It wasn't until the 90s that it resurged into public eye, when enterprising individuals created the UFO festival and the tourism outlets downtown. Outside of the UFO lore, nobody has taken notice about our neck of the woods for decades. I mean, I guess we have a TV show or two named after us, so that's cool. People like my grandfather and my great-grandfather made a choice to stay here and make a life. It is a quiet life, a simple life, but it is a good life. We take care of our own. We give our neighbor a shoulder to lean on when they need it. We may be self-deprecating, but we don't let people walk on us. We're the last of small-town America. And small-town America is still a good place to live. All this got me thinking. I didn't want to leave off with John the way we did. He may not like me, or he may not even be thinking of me. Regardless, it isn't in my blood to hurt someone and walk away. So I wrote him a note. Handwritten, hand-addressed. The old-fashioned way my grandfather would have done it. I sent it to him and forgot about it. It was closure enough, and that was that. Then, a week later, I got a call that went to voicemail. The message was from John, an invitation to a meeting with the dead. Hey, Kyle, it's John. I uh, got your note. <laughs> I'm bring you up. You said you wanted to hear some more and know a little bit more. I, I, uh, I'd like to show you something out at the South Park uh, Cemetery in the War Memorial. Uh, just, just, just call me back. Bye. 
on the next episode of Crashed in Roswell. John and I take a field trip to Walk Among the Dead, which drums up painful and bloody memories from John's past. If you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Now, a lot of man hours have gone into this podcast, along with a lot of time and love. You can support all of the great people who have worked on this podcast by visiting CrashedInRoswell.com where you can check out merchandise from our store, including t-shirts, mugs, and COVID face masks, along with blog posts with more details on each episode. Crashed in Roswell is created, produced, and narrated by me, Kyle Bullock. The theme song is by Brian Hunley. Additional music provided by Naoa Sakamata and Schematis. Special thanks to David Langford and Ryan Bishop for their advice and help with this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Crashed in Roswell, Crashed, a letter in, and Roswell, to check out exclusive behind-the-scenes content and info for each episode, including a mysterious letter from a congressman to my great-grandfather, unanswered questions waiting for inquiring minds to investigate. You can also learn more about me at kylerbullock.com. <laughs>